New episode of the TDL project coming at you right now. And I would just like to reintroduce myself because I did have an intro episode before, but I deleted it, so it's gone. <laughs> so I would just like to reintroduce the podcast. This is the space where I share my thoughts on books, movies, TV shows, general news, life, everything else in between. And if you've actually seen the list of previous episodes that I've had, I do tend to talk a lot about sci-fi and fantasy. And there's more to come because the Wheel of Time is coming, right? So the Wheel of Time is going to be dropping this November. And I'm going to talk about that a lot because I've been reading these books since I think 2017 and now they have a tv show so I'm pretty excited about it like Rosamund Pike one of my favorite actresses is headlining this tv show so yeah definitely gonna talk more about that so I hope that you guys had a great week I've had an okay week I mean nothing spectacular nothing bad though just good you know just a chill week and by the way if you didn't know I live in Dubai and if you're visiting Dubai between um, October this year and March of March, uh, I mean March 2022, then you could actually visit Expo 2020. They finally opened uh, last September 30. And this has been postponed because of the COVID pandemic, obviously. But yeah, so this is like a large complex. It's a world expo and it's 1,083 acres big. Okay, and it's located between the cities of Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So if you're visiting, this is a good time to go because or to come because, you know, you can visit Expo 2020. I did have a ticket and I could have gone on the opening day, but I chose not to because here in Dubai, though summer is almost over, it's still very hot and humid. And I don't like humidity (laughs) and I don't like being in the middle of a crowd. So yeah, so I think that was a good decision for me to not go. A good decision that I made though was to finally watch Dune and I did watch it on the big screen. And you know, even before the pandemic, um, because I haven't been uh, to the cinemas for more than a year because of COVID. But even before that, I'm not really, you know, it's not something that I really crave for, like going to the theaters and, you know, watching the movies there. I'm very much comfortable and very much willing to stay at home and just watch it on the TV or even on my mobile phone. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, but I did watch Dune on the big screen. And I think, like I said, I made the right decision because visually speaking, it was such a visual treat. I read the book about five years ago, but to be honest, I don't remember anything about it anymore, except for the main plot and some of the characters. By the way, if you're not familiar with it, Dune is a science fiction novel by Frank Herbert. It was published in 1965. It has won major awards like the Hugo Award and the Nebula Award for Best Novel. And in 2003, it was cited as the world's best-selling science fiction novel. And it also has five more sequels, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, and Chapter House Dune. Me, I just read the first book. It already has previous adaptations, at least twice, I think. Um, the more famous one was the 1984 one directed by David Lynch. 
Unfortunately, it had negative reviews. And when I was reading the book like four or five years ago, I did try to find clips on YouTube because I was curious about it. I wanted to see it. It was really bad. Um, corny, <laughs> cheesy, poor visual effects. And it was also uh, adapted to a miniseries on the Sci-Fi Channel around 2000 to 2003. I also did check that out uh, before, but it was also really bad <laughs> and cheesy and corny and has poor visual effects. So I guess if you want to start with Dune, uh, if you want to see adaptations, maybe just start with the 2021 movie. Just forget about the previous ones because you're just going to waste your time. It's not worth watching. Okay, so if you're not into sci-fi, I guess this is a good entry point for you. I thought it was really good. And let me talk about the plot, okay? Uh, because I think it's, it's really interesting. And I'm not going to say any spoilers. I'm just going to talk about the premise of the book or the movie and talk about uh, some of my favorite characters and talk about why I think you should watch it, all right? So let's start with the premise, right? So we have in this universe House Atreides and House Atreides is being led by its patriarch Leto Atreides or Leto Atreides. So Leto Atreides is the ruler of the ocean planet Caladan and he was summoned by the Emperor Shaddam IV to occupy and rule over another planet called Arrakis. So Arrakis is this desert planet Almost inhospitable, but what's so cool about it is that it's the only source of the most essential and valuable commodity in the universe called melange, or in the movie simply referred to as spice. And spice is this drug that gives the user longer lifespan, vitality, and heightened awareness. And it also has the capability to unlock a person's uh, precognition, okay? Um, and what's cool about this precognition enhancing property is that it enables safe and uh, accurate interstellar travel possible. So in short, very valuable, right? So this is a commodity that is worth launching wars for and could very much shape or destroy the future of humanity. And of course, if you have the bad guys, I mean, if you have the good guys, House Atreides, you also have the bad guys in the story, right? Uh, before House Atreides, there was this another or there was another house already occupying or ruling Arrakis and this was house Harkonnen um, led by the Baron Harkonnen so they were ordered by the emperor to withdraw their operations or their spice operations of the planet because the emperor wanted house uh, Atreides to replace them right and House Atreides and House Harkonnen has been long-standing enemies. And I think even without knowing the background into why, um, you would actually see in the movie that they are natural enemies to each other because they are like the total opposites, right? So House Harkonnen, they are this brutal, ruthless rulers with total disregard for human life. And all they care about is having total control and power, especially when it comes to spice operations. And... Why are they okay with the Emperor uh, basically telling them to leave Arrakis when they want total control of it? There's actually an underlying reason behind this, but we're not going to get into that because it's almost, you know, spoiler territory. 
So going back to House Atreides, like I said, total opposites of each other, right? So House Atreides, on the other hand, and this was shown through Leto Atreides' character um, because he was depicted as this, as having this righteous attitude, duty-bound, humane, conscientious characteristics, not just as a ruler, but also on how he treats his inner circle, like his family, his officers, and especially his son, uh, Paul Atreides. And unlike the Harkonnens, though, he knew that spice mining or harvesting was pivotal to the survival of his house. For him, Aragus's most important commodity is not just spice, but its people or its inhabitants, the Fremen, and would like to even make an alliance with them. And this would never happen with the Harkonnens. The Harkonnens would wipe out the entire Fremen civilization in a heartbeat just for spice. Okay, so you now see how stark the differences are between these houses. And let's now go to one of my favorite characters in the movie, Leto's concubine, <laughs> Lady Jessica. Paul's mother. So what's so interesting about Lady Jessica is that she is a member of this all-women organization or sisterhood called the Bene Gesserits. And the Bene Gesserits are this key social, religious, and political force uh, in this universe. And they are often referred to as witches because they possess these tremendous, almost superhuman abilities that seem magical to outsiders. So they kind of Remind me of the Aes Sedai <laughs> of the Wheel of Time. Uh, so this superhuman abilities, they harness this through years and years of mind and physical training. And I don't think this was... Um, I mean, this was shown in detail or this was explained in detail uh, in the movie. But for countless generations... Uh, the Bene Gesserits have put this massive human breeding program in motion and they're carefully manipulating relationships and breeding sisters to collect key genes. And their ultimate goal is to create a male Bene Gesserit they call Gwizat Hadrak, which will have these super abilities and will be thrusted upon the universe as a messiah. And Lady Jessica's union with Leto was all part of this plan. And she was ordered to bear a daughter that they would marry off to Baron Harkonnen's nephew. And this union was supposed to bring forth the birth of the Kwisatz Haderach. But this plan didn't come into fruition because out of her love for Leto, she bore him a son instead, which was Paul Atreides, the central viewpoint of this story. Jessica remains to be under the protection of the Bene Gesserit sisterhood, but of course they're pissed at her. Now we go to Paul Atreides. So Paul is this brilliant, gifted young man, apparent heir of Leto Atreides. And he has been having these dreams about a girl in Arrakis. And this dream has gotten the attention of Jessica Superior. Let's just call her Reverend Mother because I don't know how to pronounce her name correctly. So uh, Reverend Mother, the Reverend Mother... Uh, subjected Paul to the Gom Jabbar, which is a deadly test which causes blinding pain. And she kind of wanted to assess Paul's humanity, something like that. Um, but to her surprise, Paul overcomes this test even though he was exposed to more pain than anyone before him. What's important to note about Paul is that from a young age, he has been trained in warfare and politics, and Jessica has also been training him in the Bene Gesserit disciplines. Um, and, you know, he came from this breeding program, though 
he he's been a generation early he came from this breeding program and already has been having this prophetic dreams and so all this plus what would happen if he's exposed to spice right so already he is starting to manifest significant powers so you're you're thinking now is he the kwisatz haderach right so these are the events or the backstories that set the way for paul's journey and to what he's about to become later in the story so that's the main premise of the movie should you watch it definitely i think you should watch it even if you're not a sci-fi fan i think this is a great introduction to it it offers great cinematic experience it has a great cast i love lady jessica also timothy chalamet i think did a good job the story is clouded in mystery and political intrigue so definitely worth the watch and again just for its visuals i mean it's tremendous it's really really good so i'm really highly recommending it if you have a chance to watch it on the big screen go for it let's see what the critics are saying about this it is currently 89 fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and the critics' consensus is that Dune occasionally struggles with its unwieldy source material, but those issues are largely overshadowed by the scope and ambition of this visually thrilling adaptation. And uh, let's read some of the critics' uh, reviews. According to Time Out, technically it doesn't have an ending, and not everyone will get along with the levels of patience the director demands of his audience, but those who do will be rewarded with precise storytelling, visual fireworks, and some god-level world-building. LA Times says the direction draws you into an astonishingly vivid, sometimes plausibly unnerving vision of the future. Daily Telegraph says it is science fiction at its most majestic, unsettling, and enveloping. Finally, a critic from Independent UK said that the casting choice is poor. It's a small but noticeable chip in the paint when it comes to Dune, a work that's otherwise of such intimidating grandeur that it's hard to believe it even exists in the first place. So mostly positive reviews right there. Though I would like to also warn you that if you're not familiar with the books and some of the details, uh, it might feel sluggish in places. And I think this is one of the main concerns from some of the viewers and also the critics. But overall, the positives outweigh the negative, And this is still highly recommended. So that's that for Dune. And I shall move on to my TBW or to my to-be-watched list. A lot of cool stuff upcoming um i've seen a lot of cool trailers uh, this past week and one of them of course was house of the dragon uh this upcoming prequel television series to game of thrones which we all loved <laughs> uh from 2011 to 2019 it is based on martin's 2018 novel fire and blood set 200 years before the events of game of thrones so yeah though this will be on uh, hbo and I've seen the trailer and it looks good. I've seen some familiar faces like Matt Smith. You might be familiar with him too because he was uh, Prince Philip on The Crown. And for this one, he's going to be playing another prince. He will be playing Prince Daemon Targaryen, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it says that for its first season, they will have 10 episodes and they've actually began... Uh, April 2021, and it's set to be released on 2022, sometime around 2022. So still a long wait, but 
they have a teaser trailer out now, so if you would like to check that out. And yeah, it looks pretty epic to me. Something to look forward to for fantasy fans, especially Game of Thrones uh, fans, right? Another trailer that I've seen and a movie that I'm looking forward to is Spencer, which stars Kirsten Stewart as Diana, the Princess of Wales. And it follows her decision to end her marriage to Prince Charles. And I've heard great things about this, especially with her performance. And that's quite interesting to me because... When I see her or when I saw her on the trailer, I don't really think that she looked like Diana, <laughs> even with the hair and makeup. But I'm still very much looking forward to watching this movie because I'm genuinely curious. I mean, people are calling this an Oscar-worthy performance, at least an Oscar nomination. So yeah, that's pretty exciting for her, right? And I've always been fascinated by Princess Diana's life. I've seen quite a number of documentaries about her life. But come to think of it, I haven't actually seen a movie based on her life. So this will be my first time. I think the closest one that I had seen was from the TV show The Crown. But other than that, I've only seen documentaries, but not movies or TV shows. Except for The Crown. So this will be my first time. So this is directed by Pablo Lorraine. And uh, starring, aside from Kristen Stewart, Timothy Spall, Jack Farthing, Sean Harris, and Sally Hawkins, it already had its world premiere at the Venice Film Festival, but it will be theatrically released in the UK and United States on November 5. Now another movie that I'm really excited about is House of Gucci. This stars Lady Gaga. This is a heavyweight cast. It stars Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, Salma Hayek, and Al Pacino. Right. And this is directed by Ridley Scott. This is, of course, uh, a depiction of the events and the aftermath of the murder of Maurizio Gucci, the head of the fashion house Gucci, by his ex-wife, Patricia Reggiani. And, um, sorry, sorry about the spoiler, but <laughs> that's the, basically, that's the movie. Uh, now, Patricia Reggiani really looks like, or Lady Gaga actually really looks like Patricia Reggiani. I've seen um, a couple, I think, a couple of documentaries about the events leading up to the murder of Maurice Gucci, and they've had a lot of interview clips of Reggiani, and Lady Gaga really looks like her, and the accent. I think she got it down. <laughs> so, I mean, kudos to Lady Gaga. I think she really is now being careful in terms of picking her roles. And what a role to land, right? Especially because this was after A Star is Born, which gave her several acting awards. So, I think House of Gucci is a great follow-up, if I've ever seen one. The film is scheduled to be released around the end of November. 24th in the US and 26th in the UK. And last but not the least on my TBW list is a Filipino show called Betsine. And this has gotten my interest because this is an LGBTQ plus themed show. And this is being headlined by two established actors in the Philippines. And in the Philippines, we rarely get to see that. I think the last major show that we've had was The Rich Man's Daughter on GMA7. This was shown on national TV 
and on primetime TV. But after that, we didn't really have any other Filipino LGBTQ film or even TV show that was of the same magnitude, right? So I think we need to pay special attention to shows like this every time that they get produced <laughs> for representation and to encourage more producers and artists to be open to these kinds of projects because I think the Philippines at least has a long way to go when it comes to this. I mean, if you compare it to Thailand, though recently there's been an influx of BL series and GL series. I remember Fluid, uh, Game Boys, and also Pearl Next Door uh, that was on YouTube. But still, in comparison, we are miles behind, right? So we need more content like this. And not just content, but quality content. I really loved Pearl Next Door. And if you're interested in these kinds of stories or shows, that is something that I would recommend you to watch. It's very smartly written. And I was surprised because when I first watched it, like the first episode, I didn't really expect anything out of it. Because previous to that, um, to be honest, some of the GL series that I've seen, they're not really, you know, the quality was not there. Let's just say it. Let's just, let's just put it that way. But I was pleasantly surprised by Pearl Next Door. And I think they've had a good start. So I hope they would continue on with the series because it's really well done, in my humble opinion. And in line with that, I really do hope that that scene would be at least good. <laughs> uh, it will be on WeTV and iFlix. I think it's a free app. I'm just not sure if the show will be shown here in the Middle East. But I really do hope so because I'm very interested to check it out. So let's read the synopsis of the show that's posted on their website. Online couple Beth and Cindy, aka Betsine, is on the verge of breaking up. As they cook up their plan on how to best say goodbye to their followers, they receive an oddly timed message saying they have been selected as one of the semi-finalists for our search or for the search of uh, hashtag relationship goals. And what is at stake? 10 million pesos in cash and a lot of other prices. So they both need the money, but can they pretend that they are ideal couple or they are the ideal couple in front of their fans who is liking, sharing, and commenting on every social media content? Can they still tolerate each other's crazy? What chaos will this contest bring to their already chaotic relationship? Interesting premise. So I think this is a low-key call-out to all the fake <laughs> online couple content creators out there. I've seen the trailer for this. And uh, yeah, we have Kylie Padilla and Andrea Torres playing the couple. And I think Kylie really looked the part. This is directed by Shugo Praiko and will be released on October 15th, again on the WeTV and iFlix apps. So these are the shows that I'm looking forward to and thank you for listening. Uh, these are the types of things that I usually talk about on this podcast. And if you have the same interest, you can follow me on Twitter at the TDL Project. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.